This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hello and welcome. It's the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Matt Marchese with you here for the next two hours as we get you set for the weekend. Jeff is off. I don't know where Jeff is. This is the one thing that eludes me a lot of the time. I know where Jeff's going to be next week when I host the show for two weeks, two days, but I don't know where Jeff is today. Maybe Jeff is listening and he'll text me and tell me his whereabouts. I was just told, Matt, you're hosting. Deal with it. All right. So last night, um, a couple of things. One, I, I want to focus on something that didn't happen in the NHL and just for a brief moment, but it was a really nice moment to see Oliver Shillington back on the ice in game action. The first time since the flames were eliminated from the playoffs back on May 26, 2022, almost two years. And it's been a journey for the 26 year old defenseman. And it's really nice to see him just being back on the ice as he attempts to get back and make a return to the Calgary flames lineup. So that was a, a nice story for Oliver Shillington with the Calgary Wranglers. Um, it was also a night of injuries. Uh, three goalies go down with injury. Uh, Pyotr Kachekov, John Gibson, Anton Forsberg. Then Mark Scheifele leaves the game. He will be reevaluated today. And Eric Chernak also left. And Eric Chernak has just been battling injuries all season. Um, so it's been a rough one. But there are also some good things that happened last night. Uh, Sidney Crosby passes Mike Bossy for 22nd on the all-time goals list. And he's got Mark Recchi in his sights. For those that watch wrestling, he is pulling the Goldberg. You're next. Um, he only has three more to tie Mark Recchi on us. a former teammate as well. And something else that we have been kind of watching over the course of the last couple weeks, few weeks now is winning streaks. And for the first time in NHL history, the history, the long drawn out history of the NHL, we have four teams with simultaneous eight plus game winning streaks. The Panthers, the Jets, the Oilers, and the Kraken have all won at least eight games in a row. The Panthers are at nine and the Oilers are at nine. Um, the Jets and the Kraken are at eight. The last time we had anything close to this was April of 2022 when three teams had simultaneous win streaks of eight plus games, the Panthers, Avs, and Blues. What can I say? It's been a fun ride. And as, as the soap opera continues, as Jeff would say, um, some pretty nice stories along the way. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joins me now. Fried, I uh, was talking about... Um, Oliver Shillington in the open here. Not much of a question, just more of a comment that it's really great to see him back on the ice after what's really been a, a long road back for this player, um, both mentally, physically, all of that stuff. And a guy who has plenty of hockey left in him, I, I just think it's a wonderful story to see him back on the ice in game action. Well, I, I know how much, Matt, I'd love to disagree with you and tell you what, that you're wrong, yep. but I, I definitely can't do it on this one. It was, it was really nice last night. Like, there were there were a lot of good games last night. Uh, there was a lot of hockey watching. And then at the end of the night, like you, you go through your feed and you realize, oh, she, you kind of forget for a second, Shillington's playing. And, um, you know, I kind of tuned in a little bit to watch. And, uh, you know, he, he, he definitely didn't look out of place. Um, 
I think he's going to play there through. I'm just trying to figure out, is it this weekend or next weekend? Uh, yeah, I think it's next weekend he's going to stay through with the Wranglers, and I'll probably try to watch him a little bit more. But, yeah, last night wasn't necessarily about how he played, but just that he was back on the ice. And, you know, I went back and I looked, like, when was his last game? And you forget, it was almost two years ago. It was the Calgary's last game of the playoffs against Edmonton two years ago, and uh, it's been too long. And uh, I'm just glad for him, and I hope it was a positive step. Um, you know, he he was clearly, there was, um, I forgot the name of the person I, I retweeted. Uh, I think her name was Paige. Um, but, you know, she had the video of him kind of smiling at the beginning of the game during the anthem, and it was really nice to see. It was really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, the last game, May 26th of 2022, that loss to the Oilers that you were talking about. Okay, um, in the NHL last night, so I sent this to you last night, and you laughed at me. Um, but this Austin Matthews, I'm going to call it a thing because it's something that I don't know that I've ever seen before at this rate. So he's up to 33 goals in 38 games. 70 looks well within reach at this pace, yeah. which is crazy considering how long it's been. Do you, by as a side note, do you remember the last time a player scored 70? The last 70 was in the uh, was in the uh, early 90s. Yeah, Solani and Alexander McGillney, 76 goals. 70, so, yeah, 92-93. Yeah, because yeah, Bernie Nichols had 70 in Gretzky's first year there, if I remember, in L.A. Mm -hmm. and, then Hull, and then Hull scored 86. And I couldn't remember what the order was. And, of course, McGillney and Solani was 76. Yeah, so it's only happened 14 times in the history of the game, which is saying yeah. something if Austin Matthews in this game today can get to that. But... It's not even the, the getting to the number 70 that's crazy. It's maybe how he gets there. So Austin Matthews has not scored a goal in 19 of 38 games. So yeah. for those keeping score, he has not scored in half of his games. 33 goals in 19 games. I don't know if that's ever happened like that, but to me it seems like a really crazy stat. And talking about a guy that scores in bunches at an elite level, Austin Matthews is that guy, and we're seeing something very special right now. Well, there's no question about that. He's a hell of a player. Um, and he. And sometimes I wonder if it's simply that, you know, you score once and you're like, I'm feeling it. And, but, you know, there's nothing scientific to that. That's purely uh, emotion. Uh, I can remember, I went after you sent me that note last night, I went through some of my old notes, and I remember talking about one guy who was like that too, and that was Phil Kessel. I remember one year talking about it on Hockey Night, and it was, he had a similar kind of thing where Kessel was on, I can't remember what he was on pace to score, or he was in one of those streaks where he wasn't scoring a lot, uh, Matt. And then he, I looked through his game logs and he realized that all of his goals basically came in a small bunch of games. So I don't know if that's a goal scorer thing of, oh, I'm hot tonight, feed me the puck. And some nights you're just not hot, but it, that's purely, uh, and that's very unscientific evidence, but it's the best I can give you. I mean, we don't do scientific evidence on this show. No. We're very, very aware of that. And now, go guess, listen to the Science Network. <laughs> yeah, science. Yeah, man. no, this is sports. Yeah, no, we just give dated references and stuff like that, and we're fine with that. Um, does this kind of tell us? And I know it's kind of a weird thing to say because he scored forty last year, but does this kind of show us that maybe Austin Matthews was a little bit banged up? Like we talked, you know, there was the wrist issue before, and then we looked at him and said, okay, there's something that doesn't quite look right here, and. I don't know if this is the outlier here, but 40 goals last year, he's already at 33 in, you know, almost half the games. Was there a little bit more to the injury that maybe, that maybe we were led on last year? 
Uh, I'm just looking at something there. Someone just sent me a note. Uh, uh, hold on, just give me one sec. Yeah, no problem. Um, okay. I will I will wax poetic here. So Austin Matthews scores 40 and 74 last year, 60 the year before and 73, 41 and 52 the year before. And then, you know, last year being the outlier at 40 and 74, an outlier as a 40-goal season, you just start to wonder about kind of what happened last year and and why it was you know the quote-unquote outlier of a season but i'm very curious to see i mean we'll never know maybe we will find out one day how hurt austin matthews was last year because that to me um what he's doing this year just shows us that he's a little bit healthier you tell me when you're ready to go Fridge. i'm good now okay i, I just I have to send out some notes and look into something, but I'll just do that. The thing about, like, don't forget, like, um, one of the things that came to light with Matthews is, like, he had surgery for two summers straight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we knew about one. At the time, we didn't know about the other. And I think, you know, like, I mean, geez, I wish my off years were so bad yeah. that I could do the equivalent of 40 goals uh, in them. Like, his, his off years are great years for a lot of other people. Uh, but... Uh, I just think, you know, like he went through some things with his arms and wrists and, you know, it threw off his workout schedules. And, you know, the one thing I think about Matthews is I, I think he is very serious off the ice in terms of how he prepares and things like that. And I just think that last year he wasn't 100% there uh, physically and in terms of preparing for the season. And he was still great, but, you know, that's what happens now. Like, he's got he's got a standard now because, of you know, he's a hard trophy winner. He's an elite goal scorer. He's a really good player. The contract does it, too. Um, you know, the expectations are high for him. But the, the thing about him I think that's good is that he doesn't seem to be bothered by them. And uh, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect how he prepares. And I think he, like, I think the expectations the fans have on him are the same expectations that he has for himself. Like, um, I really think the great players are like that. They know what's expected of them, and they want to deliver. And I think he's just like that. Uh, he's been great. Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, and 32 Thoughts. Joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. So Matthew Barzell has four points last night, including the OT winner. He's on pace for his best season that he's had uh, since his rookie year, where he had 85 points. That was back in 2017-2018. Has he kind of been unlocked here, or do you think this is just a player finding a groove and, and it's part of the whole maturation process? Um. Sorry, again, uh, give me one more there. I, I can't believe this, Matt. Brian Spear, the producer of Hockey Dead in Canada, <laughs> he knows I'm on radio right now. I can't believe he just called me. Well, because that's the second, that's the second time, Spearsy, you've done that this year. Second w- time. Did he do it with Jeff last time or was it with yeah, me again? No, it was with Jeff. It was with Jeff. <laughs> So it's no like see these producers of Hockey Night in Canada, Matt. They have no respect for anyone else's shows. They're no not. Respect. They're, they're not like, radio producers, like, right? They're no, you know. well. He's he's started as one, so you think that he would have some respect for. It. But no, now he's like I'm the producer of Hockey Night in Canada. The world bends at my will. I don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. I won't say a bad thing about Brian Spear. So anyway, okay, there you go. um. Matthew Barzell, unlocked yeah. or part of the maturation process, or a guy just who's found a groove here. Like he didn't, he didn't score for I think it was like the first twelve games of the season, and and now he's really kind of found something here, and he's been great. Is that you know part and parcel for maybe they found the right combination? Like him and Bo Horvat has been great, um, but also like he's a little bit older and he's kind of figuring it out. 
Well, I think Barzell, number one, I think Barzell is a great player. Like, that's that's number one. And I just, you know, like this, this league, um, you go through slumps. Number one, it's just human. We're all going to have it. And number two, like, Barzell is the kind of guy who he's going to play every other team's best player every night. And that's just the way it is. And some nights you're going to win, and some nights you're going to get beaten. But, again, like, I think, like, Barzell is one of my favorite players to watch. Um, you know, you always, like, you always, I, I really like dealing with him. I think so. I really like watching him. So, you know, you see the struggles at some point this year, and then, you know, it's like the same thing we talked about before. If you're a great player, no matter how much fans get on you, you're harder on yourself. Like any great player is going to be harder on themselves than the fans will be on them when they're going badly. It's just the way it is. So I'm sure it was eating him alive early in the season. But I just think he's too good and too committed. And, you know, he's going to figure it out. And, you know, I think those Islanders games with Toronto, like they're really special games. Um, you know, it's pretty clear the Islanders fans are never going to let it go on Tavares. Oh, no. So, so those games on Long Island, they're great games. Like, I love watching those games. Like the, 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 like the Islanders fans, they want the Islanders to kill the Leafs. So those Islanders players get really wired up into it. And the Leaf players know how important they are for Tavares. And I think especially after the first one where they got pummeled, they're like, we cannot allow ourselves to go through that again. So those games are great games. Like that game last night was a really fun game to watch. And I love it when the, when the Leafs and the Islanders play each other on Long Island. And I'm not surprised all the Leafs fit that a star player like Barzell would be would want to deliver because he knows that's what his fans want. Like those are the kinds of games that your fans are riled up to see you do something. And if you're a great player, you want to be in the middle of all that. So uh, I'm not surprised Barzell had a big night. That was a, that was a great game last night. There were a lot of really good games last night. Um, and I, the one thing I like too, is we're seeing more and more combats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, it was bad for the Leafs last night, but you know, Pittsburgh came back on Vancouver before the, the Canucks won it. Um, you know, Florida, L.A. was a really seesaw game. Detroit, Edmonton was a really seesaw game. <laughs> it's, better, it's better entertainment for all of us when you sit there and you think these games are not over. And a lot of these games are not over. Yeah, and a bunch of them went to overtime last night too, which was yeah. great. So everybody, everybody got their money's worth last night. Um, so last night was a night for the goalie injury. Uh, Pyotr Kachetkov, he got hurt yeah. twice actually. So uh, good for him. Uh, John Gibson leaves with an upper body injury, and Anton Forsberg leaves with a groin injury. So remember when people thought that carrying three goalies was a bad thing? I mean, okay, I'm speaking in jest a little bit, but in a league where goalies are not like the elite ones are not only few and far between it's really hard to find consistent goaltending now. And and my logic now is if you think you have goaltending depth, you probably don't because you look around the league and goalies are getting hurt and the guys that are coming up, you know, haven't quite figured it out yet. It's why it makes the idea that so many people had of the Bruins trading Linus Allmark or Jeremy Swayman because they needed to add pieces was mind boggling to me because when you have two really good goalies it's probably in your best interest especially in today's game to hang on to them this is a long-winded way of me asking is goaltending going to be a hot commodity ahead of the trade deadline because this feels like in years past getting the defenseman or getting depth defenseman now it feels like everybody needs to acquire depth goaltending 
Well, I think the thing is, uh, uh, Matt, is the teams have been looking at this for a while. And like, the teams that have goalies, they're, uh, I think the word I used earlier this year, what GM told me was extortion. Um, like, like if, if Kent Hughes was going to make it easy to trade, say, Jay Gallon, he would have done it already. So Ken Hughes is sitting there saying, I've got a great piece here, and you're going to earn it if you're going to get it. And because, uh, you know, he's got one of the key pieces. You know, Gibson, the, the thing about Gibson is, and I've said this before, I think it's a really tricky trade. Number one, the contract has term. Uh, number two, uh, Pat Verbeek is an extremely tough negotiator. Um, and he's got, and in that deal, there might be the price for Gibson and also the price for retention. So that's a complicated deal to make. And number three, you know, Gibson gets hurt a lot. And I think teams are looking at it like, hey, if we're going to give up everything we need to get to get this guy, I think there are concerns about his injury history. So there's that. I mean, look, and, and there's the other thing, too. Like, Martin Jones really struggled at the end in San Jose, and he really struggled in Seattle. And if you look at him right now in Toronto, he's basically stabilized their season. And, you know, I, I talked about this on the pod last week. Um, you know, it's like one GM was talking about Joe Flacco. It's like, He's, he wins a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Um, he flames out with the Jets, and now he goes to the Browns, and he gets them in the playoffs. It's like you almost can't forget what goalie or what quarterback is going to fit. So I do think that teams are looking at it. Like the one that's interesting now is Merzlikens, because clearly he's fallen out of favor in Columbus, and, but he's got a big ticket. So, um, you know, I think absolutely there's interest in these goalies, but number one, there's questions about some of their contracts. And number two, like... Dan Hughes isn't just giving away Jake Allen. He's going he's gonna to say, if you want this guy who's valuable, um, you know, it's going to cost you. So I think all of that has kind of thrown things into craziness. I see um, – I, I, I was trying to check and see. I, I checked early before I came on. Kachekov wasn't on the ice in Carolina. I don't know if he showed up after but initially, I did see that he was there. So I have to go back and double-check that. Uh, we'll have producer David Sis check on that to see if he was on the ice. Um, now, I-, I wanted to focus on one thing that you said there. Um, oh, by the way, we just got some... Uh, the Blackhawks just agreed to terms uh, with Nick Foligno on a two-year deal. I don't know if you... Oh, had, wow. So I, they just sent out that release. So, um, I mean, okay, so let's, let's go there since it's breaking news. Um, Nick Foligno seems like he's been a really nice fit in Chicago and you know the play on the ice has had its moments where it's looked really good and I don't think that's the expectation here but for a guy to go in you know with the one-year deal and then parlay that into a two-year deal kind of tells you the job that he's done in that room especially when they're trying to protect and and have a a young guy like Connor Bedard learn from some of these veteran guys I know Corey Perry was supposed to be one of those guys but Nick Foligno has really settled into that role um yeah, he has. And, that, you know, first of all, that's a big get for them. Uh, big get for Felino, two years, $4.5 million a year. Um, the, so it's a, it's a great contract for him. I think the only question I think anyone really had there about Felino was, you know, he hasn't won the Cup. He's uh, 36, I think. I think the only question anybody had was, would he say, I want to change the Stanley Cup? But there's no question that he's been a really good fit there, and uh, they need veterans, good veterans. So uh, I'm happy it worked out for everybody there. Um, but uh, that was the only question I had about Felino was, 
would he want to chase the cup? Because now this year, um, you know, he's probably not going to, they're probably not going to be able to trade that. Not that they would want to, but it just means that it probably pushes back his chase for the cup for at least the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So I wanted to focus on one thing that you said there before that breaking news that we got. Um, about the goalies and the contracts, because that's been one thing that, you know, we see the Bobrovsky contract. We saw the Carey Price contract before with, with the, I, I don't want to call it unpredictability, but with the inconsistencies among goalies, do you think that affects how teams approach contracts with these goalies? Because there are only four or five guys that you can look at kind of every year and go, okay, that guy's going to be elite. But even those guys, like Connor Hellebuck, had an off year last year. And it's probably because he became a new parent. And I know how difficult that is. Can't imagine what that's like for, you know, an elite athlete. But how do you think that teams approach this now knowing that these goalies with big tickets and their inconsistencies become a lot harder to move in this cap world? Or do you think with the rising cap, it's kind of leveled that conversation off a little bit? Well, no, because I still think you always have to decide what contracts are good value. Look, like nobody knows knows Connor Hellebuck better than what the Jets do. They know everything about him. They know how he prepares. They know how good he is. They know what he's capable of. Um, uh, you know, and 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 the thing is too is that you know there's all this debate about how much you pay goalies. Well, it, it's really like Aiden Hill last year. Hey, he, he did a great job. Darcy Kemper the year before, he did a job. But, you know, like, there's a lot of teams that have also lost because they bet on goalies and it didn't work. Like, you know, maybe there's only, I'm just throwing out a number, Matt, eight great goalies in the league. But if you have one of those, I, you keep them. Because nothing can sink your season faster than the goaltending. And I do agree that there was a time last, uh, last year that I thought Hellebuck was going to move on and not be a Jet. But it worked out, and you know I think two of the teams playing much better in front of them. I, I I think that's always a factor. But the Jets know what Connor Hellebuck is capable of, and sometimes you have to say, you know what, the guy's asking for too much, and we gotta let him walk. But if I had a top goalie in this league, I would do what it took to keep him. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Florida Panthers, and because we were talking about the Bobrovsky. Or I mentioned the Bobrovsky contract there. So Sam Reinhart scores the OT winner last night. It was a really good game between the Kings and the Panthers. Uh, the Kings, by the way, are struggling right now. Um, it's it's Reinhart's 30th of the season. Some guys pick great times to have career years. Uh, this would be it for him. He's only three goals away from tying his career high. How do you think this extension talk is going to go if there is one for Sam Reinhart? Because Florida. You know, they have some cap space now and they'll have a little bit next year, but, you know, they've got to get Brandon Montour done. He's an unrestricted free agent. Gustav Forsling is also an unrestricted free agent. And then they have Anton Lindell, an RFA that is going to get a bump in pay as well. Um, and this is a team that has, you know, Barkov and Bobrovsky at 10 million and Matthew Kachuk at 9.5. Is this maybe a tougher negotiation considering the job that Sam Reinhardt has done here? And maybe he might price himself out of florida well i think the one thing is me i mean anything is a maybe the way i look at it this is though is this sam reinhardt came from a situation where he wanted to be traded because he wasn't winning now he's in a situation where he went to the stand like the final last year and this year they're you know they they look really good they don't look like a one-off they look like a real a team with staying power you know i talked about this on the pot of it today matt 
I think Florida looks at Tampa and says, why can't we be perceived in the same way? You know, people want to play for the Lightning. They're taking less money to play for the Lightning. It's a really good place to live. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people want to play for the Lightning. And, I, and, and the Panthers haven't had as stable a history, and even Tampa's gone through some things. But the Panthers, um, they haven't had as stable uh, a history, um, but they're really trying to build that. They just built a really nice new practice facility. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Barkov has looked like he's going to be a career-long Panther. Matthew Kachuk picked it as a destination. I think they're going to say, like, we want to follow that Tampa model. And what that might mean is that Weinhardt um, probably won't get the most money he could get. I would expect they want him to come in below Kachuk. But, number one, he's in a good situation. Number two, he's in a good place to live. And, you know, like, those things matter. Um, you know, and I can see Florida, and you're right, like, Montour is very important for them. Forsling, I think, has turned into a hell of a player. I think he's really important for them. Um, but I think that's what the Panthers are going to do. They're going to say to guys, hey, um, we're going to handle this like the Lightning does. You're going to get paid well, but you may not get paid the most. Do you want to be here and be a part of this? And see, and nothing, nothing creates that for you more than winning. And the Panthers haven't won as much as other teams have, but they look really good right now. And the players see that. Uh, and they're flying right now. Uh, the Panthers yeah. are winners of a nine in a row. Um, so I had I, I uh, our stats department, Steve Fellin in particular, sent me this because I was asking about it. You know, this is the first time in NHL history that there are four teams with simultaneous streaks of eight plus games in the NHL win streaks of eight plus games. So you've got the Jets are flying right now, and they had that nice comeback win against the Blackhawks. The Panthers, the Kraken, who are flying right now as well, and, of course, the Oilers, um, which kind of brings me to my next thing. Did you see the Connor McDavid goal last night? I'm assuming that you did. Yes. Okay, two things. Why was Jake Wallman trying to signal an offside? I know he's your guy. I know he's an Armour Heights guy, and I know you stand yes. up for him. But, like, you do not do that when Connor McDavid is bearing down on you. And secondly, were you not waiting for another five-minute review on that goal when you watched it originally? Because I know I was. Well, no. Um, the, pride, the pride of Armour Heights was not correct by this one. <laughs> Uh, the pride of Armour Heights was still is still the pride of Armour Heights, but he he was not correct on this one. And you are right. Uh, you play to the whistle and you don't uh, call offside. Look, no, I wasn't, and I'll tell you why. Because the exact same play with Kale McCarr and Edmonton in the uh, in the Western Conference Final two years ago. Remember that it was the exact oh, yeah. same play. So I, I guarantee to you that. Uh, people, I, I guarantee you that Connor McDavid remembered that, and I'm sure that maybe the video coaches or the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings remembered that. McDavid made a brilliant play, and you know that's why you know he's one of the best. He's one of the best ever because he's not only a talented guy, but he thinks the game at a high level. He remembered that play and did the exact same thing. So when that happened, I was like, that's a goal. That's and Detroit shouldn't challenge, and they were wise not to. 
um, just, just on Edmonton and, and this recent run, like they, they've been incredible. There's 17 wins in their last 20 games. And uh, we'll talk to Mark Spector a bit more about this later in the show, but I mean, they're just finding ways to win. They're getting goaltending, um, whether it be Calvin Pickard, whether it be Stuart Skinner. And I guess that kind of leads us with, you know, Jack Campbell may be staying in Bakersfield for the foreseeable future, the way things are kind of going here. Well, I think also, um, I think the other thing with Campbell is he hasn't played great. Um, and Or I, sh- I shouldn't say that. As he started out, uh, he, he looked like he was going really well. He kind of was, had a couple good games in a row. And the last game before they were going to call him up, it was a Saturday night game. He had a really rough night. They won, but he had a rough night, and Edmonton just decided not to do it. And then the other thing that happened was Olivier Rodrigue, who's the other goalie in Bakersfield, who's a really talented young guy, they didn't want him to not play. So the Oilers just told Bakersfield, you know, you play who you need to play. And then Rodrigue started playing really well. So like, I don't know what's going to happen there with Campbell, but that's why, like, it's really interesting. Like when Kevin and Kelly were so adamant that Samsonov not play for the Marlies, I think they were looking at Jack Campbell and saying, now, that's why you don't play him. Now, it worked out better for Antti Ranta. He said, actually, that going down to the Chicago Wolves for a couple of games was, was really beneficial for him. But I guess, you know, some people look at the downside. I don't know what's going to happen there with Campbell, but the last I heard is he wasn't on their radar. How frisky do you think the Oilers are going to be in the trade market? Because, uh, I mean, maybe goalie is still a thing, or maybe they're like, ah, we're comfortable with this right now. I, again, I still think you need goaltending depth, but, you know, they don't have a lot of flexibility either in terms of, you know, money in, money out. Um, could we just, I know it's hard to envision them just being kind of status quo, but could that be the case with the Oilers? No, I think I think they'll now that they're going again. I think they'll look at some things. I think they might look at some depth forwards. They've got to sort out the Bobert situation too. Um, you know, I you know I, I'm you know I've wondered about Corey Perry and them too. Uh, you know, now that the NHL has basically said that we're not going to have an issue with Perry uh, signing anywhere, I, I you know I kind of wonder if that would be one of the teams. Um, so I do, I do it like when they were losing, uh, if that would have stayed, I, I think that we would be having a different conversation, but now that they've kind of reestablished themselves a bit, I, I think they're going to be trying to add. Uh, they're going to be an interesting story and they go for a 10th straight win tomorrow night on a hockey night in Canada. Freach, thanks as always for your time, man. Uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, Jeff will talk to you on Monday, but I'll talk to you at some point next week. Jeez, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> There he goes, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, and 32 Thoughts.